Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Well, thank you for the gifts. Oh, you bet. You bet. Um, so we've got a couple of sponsors with us here today, Scott. Longtime yeah. sponsor, AG1. That's athleticgreens.com slash surf. Here to keep everybody healthy and well and uh, maintain their New Year's resolution probably too. Yeah, you know, by this time, New Year's resolutions have probably been forgotten. But um, the cool thing about AG1, and I just got my resupply in the mail, is that it just becomes a part of my routine. So it's not like I'm going, oh, my New Year's resolution, I right. got to go to the gym in 45 minutes. I just pound the AG1. And as you know, like eating a lot of greens isn't really in my DNA. It's not that I don't like them. It's just like my general like go-to move to eat is a burrito. And there's <laughs> there's generally not a lot of greens in those. Totally. And AG1 just fills that gap for me. I mean, I, I pound sometimes 12 ounces of AG1. And I just feel like, okay, cool, man. I've got my greens. You know what? I'll have two burritos. <laughs> that's how I, that's actually sums up exactly my experience. It's guilt-free uh, because yeah. I don't, I don't eat horribly. You know, I don't eat processed food. I don't eat fast food or anything like that, but you're right. In the course of the week, I might not be getting the dark, dense, nutrient rich, dark greens, you know, dark, colors in general, red beets or whatever. And so AG one is the guilt-free version of each your burrito cover all the gaps with this. Exactly. Right. You nailed so, it. Big fan. Ath- athleticgreens.com slash surf. And, um, I don't know if you check that, like, do people really, do, does AG one send you a report? No, on- I've asked them for it. They don't. <laughs> because <laughs> I had somebody go, Hey, I'm going to order some AG one. Where do I, what do I do? You know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's slash surf. Yeah. And I and they and I believe they did it. So I'm like, I bet we have like one person. <laughs> well, they're still sponsoring us. So I think it's more than one. Um, it must be coming through. But no, I asked them for a report at some point and they said it's proprietary. They don't. Yeah. Uh, and I even maybe it's because I asked for a list of people. I wanted their name so I could reach out to them. If they're listeners and we communicate with them regular, I wanted to send them a heads up or a thank you or whatever. Yeah. And they said, no, but we do, I do get DMS all the time and emails from people who are now using it. Uh, And there's some big names in the surf biz. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Good. Um, Other big name in the surf biz is realwatersports.com. Real water sports is a retailer out of North Carolina and they're heavy in surfboards. They have 1500 boards in their inventory. It's a bunch of names of guys that you and I have interviewed on our podcasts. But the thing is with them being in North Carolina, you might think, oh, that's far away. I'm not going to buy from them. No, they ship. 
They can ship. It's all flat fee. It's guaranteed to show up blemish-free at your door. And uh, their pricing is competitive anyway. So even with paying that flat shipping fee, which is a reasonable shipping fee, um, you can still get the board a lot less expensive than you can find it elsewhere oftentimes. So. And at Real Water Sports, you're going to get an incredible inventory, which I love, you know, because how many times have I sort of had like a moment where I'm like, oh my God, I got to get that CI twin fin and I'll drive down. They'll have every one of them except the six one that I want. You know, they'll have the five eleven, five nine. Somebody got theirs before yeah. me. It just seems like Murphy's Law, my crappy luck. It's like the one little dimension that I'm looking for isn't quite there because there's a lot of guys like me in my area that are all looking for the same board. That's the problem. I'm size 32 pant, 10 and a half shoe. It's the most common size on the planet. It's the one that's always sold out. My, my pant size is going up, bros. Oh, no. Yeah, but um, my wife's done a really good job of just going, Scott, that's what happens when you get old. Name me one 60-year-old who doesn't have an increase in pant size. I thought, you're I, gonna, I thought you were going to say she does a great job of like letting the pants out without you knowing. So you don't <laughs> notice that they're getting tight. I'm, I'm now a 34. Oh, that's easy, dude which is somewhat embarrassing because I was a 32 my whole life. There's no shame in 34. That's but what I way. have learned too, David, is that when you reach like 75, everything goes down. Oh, start to lose body mass. So you only have a 15 year window you got to deal with. Dude, speaking of time, I got to tell you, I know this is the most cliche thing ever, right? That just time flies by. Yeah. And especially when you have kids like, you guys should try to make time at least once during the day to just sit quietly and don't say anything and just stare at your kid <laughs> because I'm just blown away that my kids are out of the house and like the whole thing's over. And I'm like, what the hell happened? You know? Yeah. And it's amazing how quickly time flies. Well, cliche, I, but true. I do hear you loud and clear and I know there's no way to fully understand it probably until it's in hindsight and you're regretting yeah. it, but yeah. I do hear you loud and clear and we do try to do exactly. I mean, we have designed our schedules and our lives in a way that we can spend all day with them if we want to. Yeah. Um, there's little gaps like this that I have to do other things, but by and large, we're walking, do three walks a day. We have lots of little routines in the morning together at night together and uh i think it's because we're 40 you know we're a little bit older we've oh yeah so we've kind of sown not only sown wild oats but like we don't even want to go out to dinner with friends at this point we get invites to yeah. places and we're like nah no thanks i don't care how fancy the restaurant is i don't care what the event is this is better so we're just gonna hang here yeah you know it's really a blessing to have i think to have children later in life i know my wife and i did and a lot of those things you mentioned are so true and um, yeah, just a little wiser about things, you know? I, I totally, I get invites even to go on like trips and stuff. And I'm like, I'll do it. I'll do it in a few years from now. I would have done it a few years ago. Now, this is the only place I want to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's all yeah. good. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got guy <laughs> excuse me <laughs> yeah freaking guy yeah guy everybody welcome to spit it is the spit podcast where david lee scales and scott bass talk surf 
all things in the surf world, surf news. And David, what? Let's not bury the lead here. Give me your lead. Pipeline all the time is all we ever want to talk about. It's all we're going to do today. Um, <laughs> I mean, the two spectacular days of competition, mind-blowing days of competition. Kelly Slater himself, as well as another number of people I talked to on the ground, are all saying it is the best pipeline they've ever seen in competition. Day one was. And then I would argue day two, once it got to kind of midday, was equally as good, certainly as exciting. And so I'm not going to go on and on and on yet, but I'll wrap this up by saying uh, this is what we want as competitors. This is what the WSL wants as a business. We've said it before, but it's kind of man and woman versus nature and then put the best surfers in the world out there and let them battle it out against that. And that's what we got these last two days. And there's no better show on earth. Yeah, a couple things. The first thing is, is um, I think we have a little bit of selective memory, and I'm not saying that at the last two days. I was going to ask you that weren't the best yeah. pipeline you can get because they certainly were. I mean, that's what you. That's why we always go, hey, you should have it at pipeline because it's days like this, and there are many of them. You know, um, of course, there have been events where you know the thing finishes at Ahikai or whatever. Those are few and far between, and I'm not saying there's been any days competitively that have been better than the last two days but there have been days that have been the same i would suggest well let's talk about the final with gabe and idolo just 2019 right we were all saying the exact same exactly exactly that's why i phrased it kelly slater himself and other people on the ground said this because i'm not um i don't know my my memory's not great enough to actually run the calculus and remember because I remember, I do remember saying it about the Jaws event, the most recent Jaws event that ran. That was a flawless day all day. And we all just thought that was the best day of competition ever. But I'd have to compare them side by side. Well, this is what needs to be done. The, the WSL needs to actually break this down and provide us with some video and just go, look, like, here's this day. Here's, you know, like, that would be cool because we, I think as broadcasters, they get in this. I think we all do. We all just get in what's in front of us. Some of that has to do with the way our culture is now with this sort of like, show me the content now and then throw it away and forget about it. But I'll give you an example. And the one example that always comes to my mind is the year 2000, which is the year that Rob Machado won the Pipeline Masters. I wasn't born yet. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You were probably 16 years old. How old? I was 19. Yeah. So the year 2000, it was Mick Lowe and Rob Machado in the final. But the waves were pumping, and it was glassy mm-hmm. and beautiful and perfect. Like the conditions were ideal. Now, was there a little bit more sand on the beach? I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't quite as good. Maybe it wasn't quite as good as, as day one or yesterday afternoon, which I thought was all time. But, um, I mean, it was 8 to 10 foot. Maybe it was 6 to 8 foot. But we're talking, you know, all-time pipe. It was well, like a day to remember, you know, was that Mountain Dew sponsored event? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I remember that. So um, the difference, I guess, is was there as much stiff competition as there is now? Because now the waves could have been exactly the same that day, but now it's every single heat is just this battle of incredible surfing and heroic rides, you know, and I think that adds to the 
excitement and joy. Yeah, I, I can't remember and break down every heat or, or the level of competition, but I mean, it was the Pipeline Masters. I mean, it was the best surfers in the world in the year 2000. Um, you know, so yeah. do the math. I mean, I, you know. Well, as it relates to this particular event, we have huge upsets. We have women uh, that are surfing the event alongside the men. That's worth discussing. Um, obviously, Kelly Slater's heroics were unbelievable. There are so many rookies who we, you and I just completely didn't even discuss leading into the event that yeah. are unbelievably performing at Pipeline and now in the quarterfinals. So where do you want to begin? The well, let's start there. I mean, let's, well, here's what's really interesting. At least one rookie is going to be in the semifinals. There are two rookies going at it to, uh, in the quarters. Let me pull them up real quick for you. Um, Miguel Pupo. Oh, he's not a rookie. No, Sammy Pupo. No, and... I thought it was going to be okay. I'm, I'm mistaken. That's not true. Okay. But um, for some reason I thought Miguel, but Miguel's been around forever, but yeah. So the rookies are insane, right? We're talking mostly about Jao and Lucas Messina at this point. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, Luca Messina, Luca Messina, you and I didn't even really discuss. I mean, none no. of, I guess, yeah, none I'm of those did. I'm still not talking about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, was, I was frankly a little disappointed in him not, sort of when he had that heat to himself yesterday afternoon and it was just bombing. Yeah. It was just him. Carlos Munoz had a subluxation of his shoulder, basically popped out and popped in and you just can't paddle. And uh, so he came in, Carlos did and this left Lucas Messinas by himself with priority with bombing eight to 10 foot. And he, he didn't really surf the heat yeah. and to me. I mean, I get competitively, I think, you know, if I, I was his coach, I'd be like, dude, come in, don't get hurt. There's bigger fish to fry here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all of us, every single person watching this is going, dude, are you kidding me? Like, you know, and, and so I think he was doing the right thing. And if I was his coach, I probably would have said, come on in. But um, all of us, the free surfers in the world are going, are you, dude, that, come on. He, I agree with you. And the competitors always say more important than the win or the money is just being able to surf pipeline with three other people out when it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. And so he had that opportunity uh, with no other people out. So it is weird to see him not capitalize, but I agree his eye is on the prize and his bravado and talent out there is not in question because he did it heat after heat after heat to get to that point, including against Chloe Andino. And that was a super tightly contested heat. Chloe uh, did the best that I've ever seen Chloe do out there. He looked confident. He looked comfortable. He was more focused on backdoor. He was getting scores. I think they were kind of in the seven range. And Luca Messinas sat on the left at pipe and he just got these crazy waves, including one buzz. It wasn't exactly a buzzer beater. Actually, it was. It was kind of in the last minute. And he split the peak with Kaloe and they both needed scores. Kaloe bettered his score. Then they're waiting on the beach to see what Luca got. And sure enough, Luca bettered his score and beat Kaloe on the sand. And I think Luca actually had the lead most of that heat. But those are moments that you don't expect a rookie to elevate uh, to when they're going against a competitor like Kaloe Andino. And so I got to hand it off to him. He deserves the conversation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um mind-blowing surfing by luca a, a surfer from peru let's keep that in mind that's very interesting to me first that, male peruvian surfer on the ct 
Right, right. And then um, Zhao. Zhao. Okay, so Zhao Chi. This guy is mind blowing. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Like next level. Th- that heat with John John Florence was, I mean, it's only the first event of the year, but that's got to be, although you could say Slater's heat. These yeah. were two of the greatest heats of the year. Of course, we've only had, what, 40 heats. So. <laughs> but, but it's going to be hard to beat. Um, epic start. But yeah, for Zhao Chianka's career. So Zhao, he did exactly what I was saying with Luca, but to a different degree, where his waves were gnarlier and more exciting and more thrilling, but also not being deterred by these huge names in the draw. He took out Jack Robinson, who... Jack Robinson was a favorite to win this event, you know, right alongside Kelly, John, John, Idolo. Um, so he took out Jack Robinson in definitive fashion. I would argue his heat against John, John, it was a lot closer than it looks on paper. I mean, John, John's barrel that he almost got a 10 on, I thought was a little bit overscored as beautiful of a wave as it was. And as well as John, John surfed it, it wasn't the most critical wave that we saw. And the next wave that the Jow very got, next wave was right. So gnarly. And Joe only got like 0.10 points more than John. I was like, if John's was a nine, five, whatever it was, Jow's has to be a 10 because it's more than half a point better. And then they gave Jow like a nine, six, seven. I'm like, oh, that's the spread needs to be farther between those two waves. Well, here's the, what's interesting to me is that because I'm a homer for John, John, right. My gut feeling after watching, um, Jow get a wave or a competitor, any competitor against John John, my bias is immediately going to go, nope, he didn't get the score. That wasn't good enough. But after Jow's wave, as my bias is leaning towards wanting John John to win this heat for a number of reasons, I'm watching Jow and I'm going, holy shit. That There's was no incredible. Question. Yeah. That was incredible. And you yeah. know what? He deserves a score. And I guess John John lose. I didn't, you know, I wasn't going that far, but you get what I'm saying? Like well, my there bias was... was even overcome. By, yeah. the, by the level of surfing, that the, the commitment and the depth and the gnarliness. Now, here's what's also interesting is that I was starting to nitpick between Jao Chianka and John John Florence the way they kicked out of the wave. <laughs> like, I was like, Jao doesn't have as good a style as kicking out. Like, he looks he a little funky. Yeah. Which made me think, okay, as we go through the season, our, which is a great thing. Now we're getting down to style. They're all at this level where they're yeah. frigging getting crazy. And they're all technically there. Yeah. Who's got a better style, which is really where we want to get to. Now you go, Mike. That is a great point. Um, I had the same bias that you had, but my thought was there's nine minutes on the clock. I want Jow to get a better score than John, John, because then John, John's going to have to get a 10 on the next wave. And this is where we see the best heats in our life. You know, John, John at Kelly at Chopu where they both have 19.88 and it has to go to a tiebreaker to see who got the best wave. And it was a 10 point ride, you know? Um, so I'm, but Jow specifically on that exchange, Jow's wave was a double up that had that crazy square angle yeah. to it. Yeah. John's was a perfect pipe wave, but yeah. he didn't take off on the peak. He kind of took off next to the peak, slid in and then got the long easy section. Jow took off on the peak, pulled into that double up. He, and even the drop and the pull up was crazy. Exactly. It was just a way gnarlier wave. And he, it was way more technical to surf. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, if you had an, an unlimited scale, that was 10 degrees difficult, more difficult, 
You know well, what I mean? I think the pipe experts would tell you that that's a wave that you don't take. Right. Because it was one of those ones that rolled underneath and then found the super gnarly zone where you're like, that's that's one you pass on. That's one that the rookies, you know, that's one that the guys out here that don't get the, the killer set waves, they'll take that one and break their leg. Completely agree. There is no way to justify a point uh, 10, a 10th of a point or a hundredth of a point or whatever it was. Um difference between those two waves jows was 10 degrees more difficult you know and then there was also this level of um there was this level of sort of like um moxie or or like bull riding bravado that jow had in in, yeah. in his presence on the wave that like just like i will take anything this ocean throws me and i will spit at it and laugh like he wasn't like oh here i go i better better hope yeah. i come out he was like nah, i'm gonna I yeah. bring it he's like bring it you know that was the sort of the presence that he had around him was like i don't care yeah and speaking of pullouts he pulled out right in front of john john's face on that wave too yeah which was epic that was sweet um what a yeah. heat what an what, incredible heat what an incredible heat and so there's a couple one thing that i noticed here was there's a difference between the kind of the best surfers in the world, you know, John, John, Tom Curran, Kelly Slater, like that's a certain class of surfer. And then, then the a difference between them and the next level down, which is the Julian Wilson's, the Geordies. And the difference isn't just um, world championships. I think the difference was exemplified in this day where you have this new batch of surfers who are unbelievably talented. They lay waste to anything lesser than the goat. So Jordy's out, uh, Felipe's out, Idolo's out, jo uh, Robinson's out, and they're getting dispatched by Sammy Pupo and Jao Chianka, you know? And we talk about the momentum generation on the women's side, the new momentum generation that's going to come and disrupt everything. We did not anticipate these guys. And whether they disrupt the best surfers at the best waves in the world you know, that's kind of the one degree we haven't seen yet. Kelly is still laying it down. John John's still laying it down, but they're disrupting everybody else, which is a huge feat. Like John Jordy, not acceptable to lose out there to one of these guys, you know, like, or, or you're just not going to be a world champ. Well, here's, here's an interesting way to think about it too, is that there's been a lot of talk by the commentating team about, Oh, isn't it great? We're starting at pipe. And I would argue, yeah, you know what? It, it, it kind of is. But I would, you could also perhaps argue, we don't need any more tour. This is, <laughs> this is it. This is the best surfers in the best waves in the world. And here are your results. Do we really need to see who surfs good at four foot Portugal? I don't know. No, we need to see who surfs good at sunset, J-Bay, Chopu. Right. But I'm, I mean, I, I hear you, but I, I'm not saying I, I'm not fully bought into that hypothesis, but you could argue we're done. We just did it. Like, we did, but you're the one saying we're done. We did it. And then what if they go, Hey, Scott, they're all here on the Island. How about we go send them out at sunset? It's 10 feet. Would you say no to that? Well, of course not. And I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of talking about, you know, this concept that it's good to kick it off at pipe. It's actually better to end it at pipe. Oh yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I, I guess no one's arguing that, but, but God, what, what, what a great way this? to kick off the season. I don't want to take away from the WSL's uh, momentum that they have here because it's 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 exceptional. What about this? Yeah.
Brand new thought. Can't believe this has never come Start up. And end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why can't we have the opening and the closing event at Pipeline? Two pipe events. But the maybe the last one is the uh, five five person finals day. Well, the, the reason is politics. There's no way the powers that be on the North Shore are going to allow a pipeline event with only five people. Okay, fair enough. A um, couple of other stories. I mean, there's no order to even do these stories in, I suppose. But I want to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Yeah. yeah. I hope I don't get a terrible, angry email. Uh-oh. Richie Porta is full of crap. <laughs> Richie Porta is a company man who is totally full of he's honestly not only losing credibility but question it makes me question the credibility of the WSL and there's a number of examples I could give but I'm going to focus my diatribe on one example and that is day one Griffin Colapinto's heat is in the water Griffin kind of airdrops this wave crazy bottom turn. It's a big double up, almost like Jao Chianka's not as gnarly. And it's also frothy and on the inside, like there's no clean water on the face. And he navigates this thing. The commentators are tripping. Uh, Ross Williams is in the booth. Kaipo's in the booth. These guys know what they're doing. They know how to surf and they know pipeline and they're tripping. They're like, holy cow, because somebody else had just gotten a perfect wave. And it was like a you know mediocre score. And then Griffin got one that was just not perfect and super difficult to ride. And you're shocked each step of the way that he makes it. So they're like, oh my God, score comes in 4.33. And they're like, what? That's weird. I thought that would be way higher. So Richie Porter was scheduled to come in anyways to give his talk about the day and how they're going to be scoring things. So they dial up Richie and Richie immediately lights into them. They don't even address the Griff thing. He addresses it with them. He goes, oh, I was just really entertained by hearing you guys uh, vilify the judges. Or He didn't use the word vilify, but something to that degree. Talk crap about the judges um, when, you know, I think they're doing a phenomenal job today. They're doing everything accurately. And then Ross and Kaipo kind of like defended themselves a little bit. They're like, well, I don't know. That was a challenging wave. And then Richie just keeps defending the judges. And I'm thinking, okay, this is very interesting. You have two, one one surfer who's been on the world tour, who uh, trains John John. He's John John's coach. He knows professional surfing as good as anybody. And Kaipo wasn't on the tour, but Kaipo could, you know, he's right up there with Ross. They're seeing something. I saw the same thing that they saw. Most of the viewers, I would argue, saw the same thing. How is it that these six human beings who are responsible for scores saw it entirely different, or maybe the judges came to a conclusion in the booth, but the fact that Richie is defending them very much feels like he's taking a corporate stance that is for the benefit of the corporation. And it's not a very diploma, uh, diplomatic stance. You know, there would be one way to handle that where it, which would be in the moment, the judges saw something. They came to this conclusion for reasons X, Y, and Z. But I agree with you guys. That was a thrilling ride. It was none of that. He dug his heels in, and he was basically saying, you guys are crazy. You guys are wrong. And I was like, dude, now I'm now you guys are losing credibility. If you're not going to sympathize at all with what we all witnessed, you're losing credibility. Well, that's an interesting take. And um, let me first say that I was stoked that they brought Richie Porter in. I think they should do it more. 
Um, it's kind of reminds me of the NFL or these other sports where they bring in the rules official to explain what went down because the broadcast team didn't quite understand, you know, why there was a fumble on this play or whatever. So I think more explanation from that judging booth, whether it's Richie Porter or somebody else is a good move from a broadcast standpoint. And I will also say that you got Richie Porter, like any good boss has to defend his employees. He can't go in there and go, you guys are right. My team sucks. And I'm not saying he would say it like that, but, and, and I know there's a fine line, which is kind of where you're going. Like there's probably a smooth way to, to um, acquiesce both sides of the discussion so that everyone kind of leaves comfortable and maybe Richie, and I didn't see the interaction, but maybe Richie had a little bit too much sort of Australian, you know, uh, in him at this well, particular moment. The difference with the NFL is that there's an objective criteria of right. rules that they right. can explain to you. So what Richie needed to do is explain exactly what they witnessed and how they came to that conclusion. And the reality is it's never going to be objective. Right. But, but the problem is if 90, I'm just presuming the vast majority of the audience saw it the way that I and Ross and Kaipo saw it. But if let's say 90% of the audience witnesses something, you need to be able to reconcile to that audience, how you saw something different. And he did not. Yeah. He just got defensive and defended the company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I, I didn't see the uh, interaction, but I do understand like I say, I do understand, you know, backing your crew, you, you know, you don't want to lose your crew by, by having them go, Hey, thanks for backing me. And, um, and, and if, as you mentioned, it's subjective. So it's inevitable that we're going to have situations where some people agree and some people don't agree. And, um, and well, I'm not doubting what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just saying, um, Look, the reality is they made the right decision in each heat. The better surfer has won each heat as far as I've seen throughout yeah, this like, event. Yes. So the judging has ended yes. up washing out correctly. Exactly. Let's yeah. say that. Like over, you know, there's going to be an occasional screw up. And I get it that he's defending his guys, even though maybe behind closed doors, he's like, hey, let's try to get a little better next time. You know, who knows? You know, like, yeah. The judges have gotten it by and large right, which, by the way, I think so many of the criticisms that we level at the WSL are solved by great waves. Oh, yes. It's 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 pretty there's it's pretty easy to tell who got the better two waves out there. The couple of close calls that I could think of are the Jao Chianca, John John Florence heat, the Luca Messinas and the um, Chloe Andino heat, Baron Mamiya and Kelly to a certain degree. Uh, but in the end, I agree the way that all of those were answered. And so bravo to the judges, but certainly their job is a lot easier than it is when you're surfing four foot beach break. Yeah. Let's hold this out. I want to continue this conversation, but my dog's barking. All right. We'll go to commercial. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board, 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So you're, you're absolutely right. You know, quality waves kind of kick all the other little issues that we might have to the uh, back of the conversation. Um, a conversation that you and I need to follow up on is Jake Marshall and Carlos Munoz. We're going to be tracking them because we have a hundred dollar bet leading yeah. into the uh, mid-year cutoff. Yeah. Tell me what's happened with those two surfers. Well, Carlos looked pretty comfortable. I thought when he was surfing before his injury, um, obviously we both watched the first round heats and they both got completely annihilated on their first waves. Like In, just incredibly smoked. like I told, I sent you a text. I'm like, Jake Marshall might have begun and ended his career in one wave. Like I thought he might've broken his back. It was yeah. that devastating of a wipeout. Yeah. It was like the kind you don't want like the whole ocean it, just unloading on your it back. Had, it had the little roll in whitewash that he got in on, but he also got, I think that kind of like uh, got in his face, you know, like water was in his face. And by the time he kind of shook that off and made it down the drop, the full double up ledge was right there. And he just took that to the back. Like he did not cut a bottom turn up under it. It was a big proper wave ledging on the reef and he took it in the worst possible position. It was literally like, Oh my God, he's done forever. <laughs> I stopped. I stopped what I was doing just to watch him come up to make sure that he was okay. And they actually sent the ski to go grab him because they were thinking the same thing and they rescued him. Thankfully he was not injured and he continued to surf the heat, but I agree. That was a harrowing moment. And as I recall, I think Carlos just did a free fall, like yeah. a pin drop. He did. Like, he, didn't paddled get into, he paddled into the ledge, but like, didn't make it under the ledge. So the yeah. thing lurched and he had to jump and it, that's a thrilling wipeout to watch, you know, that pin drop thing. Yeah. So both of them started out like, oh, my God, oh, man. And then, um, you know, they both were pushed to that elimination round. And um, and Jake barely scraped through his, his elimination round. Frankly, Carlos looked much more comfortable, which is what we knew going in. Carlos has more time in at pipe. And um, so for those two specifically, uh, I was disappointed in Jake Marshall's final heat. You know, he... He didn't, I think he got one wave and it was a two or something like that. He looked shook. He did. He looked like he didn't want to surf, which is was, not what a professional surfer should look like. So he drew Kelly Slater, which we all kind of knew how the heat would end, but we still wanted to see Jake put on a performance because again, 
there's four people in the water and the waves are pumping. And he got, he got a 1.5, just one wave, didn't even get a backup wave. And he had plenty of opportunity to do more than that. And um, so that was a bit of a letdown. Yeah. Round of 32 loss. Yeah. I mean, not unexpected for a rookie at eight to 10 foot pipe, but when you have 40 minutes at pipe with three other guys, we just want to see, see you go. Yeah. You know, you need to go. You know what I mean? Totally. And Carlos Munoz made it one round further. He beat uh, Frederico Morais in that round of 32, just barely though. It wasn't yeah. a high scoring heat and he just got a wave at the very end. It got a small yeah. score that he needed like a three or a four. And, uh, but he dislocated, I'm sorry, not at the very end before he dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> so he dislocated his shoulder, what it looked like just paddling for a wave, right? I didn't see the injury now. Yeah, it was bizarre. Um, a crazy wave came through that would have been like the wave of the heat. And he had priority and he's digging in to paddle for it. And then at some point stops and looks like his shoulders hurt. And then the next thing you know, the um, water patrol is taking him in on the ski. So wow. it, wasn't, it wasn't even a wipeout. And, but so he left that heat early, but he had enough points accumulated to where he won that heat. And then um, drew Luca Messinas in the next heat, but wasn't really able to surf it. So that's the heat that you were talking about earlier, where Luca just kind of got a buy with one small wave. So Carlos is out. But in terms of your and my bet, yeah, we kind of knew, like you said, that Carlos would look better at pipe, but I'm one up on you right now. Yeah, but your guy's injured. I mean, to be honest with you, when you're paddling for a wave and you your arm pop, your shoulder pops out, like that's called a subluxation. I, I can't diagnose him, but I've had this. In, in my situation, it was a, a slight tear in the labrum. Mm. And it, every time you move, it pops out and it falls down here, down to your side. You got to like pull it back in. If that's his situation, he's done. Oh, man. Yeah, so I'm going to win. <laughs> now, I hope it's not the case. But yeah, my sense is he didn't get the injury from paddling. I think the injury occurred on one of his waves prior and he you're didn't right. really realize how heavy it was. And when he paddled, his arm popped out and he's like, Oh shit. Help. No, you're, you're right. But it happened earlier than that. I, Strider did mention that I think in the post show that it was a re injury from a previous yeah. incident. So. so that's, you know, they're going to obviously need to do an MRI and see what's going on there with the soft tissue, but, uh, or the hard tissue, I guess in that case. But anyway, like I said, I'm not a doctor, but, if that's what I think it is, you're, you're not going to come back. For, that's six months. Um, let's talk about Idolo and Felipe. Felipe, I was going to say, kind of had to hand it to him up until the round that he lost, where he wasn't charging. He wasn't showing the bravado that we talked about with Sammy Pupo and Jao Chianka. He wasn't showing the prowess of tube, uh, tube riding that we see from other guys. But the fact that he goes out there and he competes, he finds waves at backdoor that he's comfortable on. He found some shouldery waves at pipe that he could get scores on. All of that, I was like, he's still not got balls, but I'm impressed by his competitive savvy. <laughs> you just keep shaking your head. No, this I'm, I'm just not impressed. I'm just not impressed. He did not surf. He did not show um, sort of the level of aptitude that's required to be considered a world champion. Agreed. If, if Felipe wins a world title, I'm not proud to call him the world champion. 
know, like I'm proud to call Adriano the world champion, even though he surfs shittier than Felipe. <laughs> but Adriano will take an eight foot gun out at Jaws or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he's got the moxie that's required. He's a pipe master. I sense that Felipe's like, okay, I'll get a couple corner lefts and I'll look for some backdoor waves. Hopefully there are some. And I'll be stoked with this quarterfinal finish, you know? And He's aiming at the round of 16. You're never, and if, you know, I mean, I'd like to look at the list of world champions and go, which one's a puss at pipeline? And the answer right. is none. Right. No, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm saying there's this one thing that I could still point to that I thought yeah, but, was. I mean, he's always done that. Like to me, me that's like, I don't see improvement is what I'm saying. I didn't I see agree. like, oh yeah, he got over the hurdle. No, he now didn't get over he, the He's to be considered a, a legit, you know, world champion because he charged it with Jiao and beat Jiao, you know, like. So I'd rather have Jiao Chianka as my world champion at this point. Well, um, it's still in the honeymoon phase. So give it a couple of weeks. No, I know based on <laughs> The style of his kickouts, I'm not looking forward to. I, I don't sense that he's got a really smooth. The honeymoon, you're not looking forward to the post honeymoon. I, you yeah, guys are I think he's going to have waking bad, up next Yeah, to he's going to have bad breath. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what like, about what are your thoughts on Idolo? Idolo to me did not look like like the same shark that we've seen in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't doubt Idolo's ability at pipeline um i think Idolo kind of outsurfs himself out you know he Idolo's one speed and one speed only and i think at some point sometimes that hurts you mm. and when you've got you know six seven wave sets coming in and another one right behind it you can be a little pickier and somebody sent me a text it's like how come Idolo never gets over a seven at pipe like and I, I can't speak to the stats. I'm not saying that's a fact or whatever, but I found it kind of interesting. And then I started watching. And so I, I think it's more about, you know, he moves around too much. He, he doesn't. And again, maybe I'm wrong. You know, I, I, I can't say that. I, I think the guy to talk to about this is Dorian. I bet Dorian as his sort of coach would have a better perspective of what Elo's doing wrong. I, I don't think that he's done things wrong up until this event. You know, Idolo made the final with Gabe. Idolo's always looked, you're right, he does apply that same shark mentality where whether he was at Newcastle or Pipe, he gets 12 waves of heat and he manufactures scores on the crappy ones and he tends to get good scores on the good ones. I think that he has gotten more than sevens at pipe, but I don't know the stats either. I'm sure the fact he that has. he made the final with Gabe makes me think that he did. No, I'm sure he has. But so like I see him applying that same strategy and that one speed thing that you're talking about everywhere in the world that he goes. But in this event, he never felt like a threat to me. Like he uh, fell on waves. He wasn't picking the great waves. I don't know. It just felt like kind of like any other run of the mill competitor. It didn't look as intimidating and confident and I don't know, forceful that he has. I, I felt like he was, he was one frothy, make it out of the folding clasping section away from advancing. Like there was a lot of waves that I'm recalling here in my shoddy memory where, you know, it might've been a deep frothy one, big wide open barrel, 
And then he had to pump through one more section and, and you're like, he could just make this and that's it. He made the heat and he just never like had that moment where he came out and was like, woo, you know, like he was just, you know what I mean? So I guess that's wave selection. I guess so. And he lost by the way, to Miguel Pupo, who's having a banner run through this event. Um, Miguel Pupo, me- we should talk about him, right? He's, he could win this event. Wouldn't surprise. I mean, all these guys could win, but- <laughs> Well, I really, I really, I guess what I'm saying is I really appreciate he's kind of a style king. Like he's kind of got a little bit of Machado. He's got a little bit of Lopez. He's kind of got that, that syrupy goofy foot vibe. He does, but he doesn't have the same competitive savvy that a lot of these other guys have. Oh, I don't know about that. I do know about that. <laughs> Look, he's, he's fallen off. He's fallen off tour a bunch of That's times. That's my point. He's been on tour for so long that he's got tons of experience. And he's fallen off too. Yeah, but he's, and he's but always he's back. But, but he's, he's back. never been in the top 10, you know, like he's got major holes in his game and he is talented and he's got what you're talking about. And so when you put him in big barreling waves, there's an eight point ride that he got at pipeline five years ago that everybody still talks about the wave that he got yesterday um, I might've been against Idolo. It won the drop of the day thing that they're doing. Oh yeah. It was, was an incredible, crazy. it was a crazy ride. It's a beautiful ride. That'll go down in everyone's memory as well, but he doesn't do it in every heat. You know, he has these kind of highlight moments in an event that he can hang his hat on for five years, but I really don't see him. I mean, when you got the likes of Kelly, John, John, um, yeah, even Kanoa, you know, it's like Miguel's not on the top of the list for me. No, I understand. I guess as I'm looking at these eight guys. So one thing we didn't discuss because you would not share with the listeners is your survival team pick. Oh yeah. The survival. Let's look. First of all, the survival league is super fun. It's too late for anyone to get involved. Now you should have gotten involved earlier, but there's a lot of people that are in the running for $3,000 and three surfboards from Panda as part of the uh, overall winning winner, that's the, the overall winner's prize. And so to answer your question, my pick was Kanoa Igarashi in the survival league. And believe me, I was, who did he go up against? Owen. Oh yeah. That was insane. I was freaking out. I know that he got Owen right in the draw and made me go, mm, I didn't do my homework. Here, I was laughing. I oh, was my God. so between last show and this show, Scott did reveal that his pick was Kanoa. And I was so happy to see him draw. Owen. I was like, if you lose <laughs> in the first event, two years in a row, this is going to be supreme bragging rights, but I got to hand it to you. It's a freaking great pick. It was a smart pick because of Kanoa stats at pipe. Um, it's a smart pick because of, like I've said in the past, he's always going to post two sevens, two seven fives even, and that'll get you through pass the round to 32. So I'm putting Kanoa in my back pocket to use later in the season at an event that I'm uncertain with because he is a sneaky good pick. And sure enough, he did exactly what I just said against Owen. Yeah. And and based on all of the, um, the hype from the broadcast team around this sort of new mindset that Kanoa Igarashi apparently has and this new dedication that he's kind of you know, telling people about via social media, he isn't a sneaky world title contender. He's, he could be the 2022 world champion and I wouldn't be surprised. Well, 
he'll be the first to tell you that he's going to be. I know, I know. Uh, I don't think he is. I don't think he's a contender with the, you know, with the real contenders that we've talked about. Right. But gr- great pick there. I got to hand it to you. I did not even think of him. So with who this did game. you have? Do you didn't have Jack Robinson? Did you? John John. Now Jack Robinson was out after like if you had Jack Robinson you're screwed right I know so, somebody there's a I, lot of people that had Jack Robinson dude the field got whittled way down I'd I like know. to hear from from our guy uh, Taylor over there yeah find what out the, how many percent what percent yeah, I'm sure he's sending it out well right? a buddy of mine signed up for the first time and he yeah. was texting me before the event and he's like I'm gonna pick Jack Robinson I go okay <laughs> that's a fine pick but keep in mind, you can't use him later in the season. So, you know, when you think about Margaret River, who are your picks for Margaret River? And if you only have two or three there, maybe save those two or three for that event. How many picks do you have for pipe? You probably have five or six guys that you would pick at pipe. Maybe pick one of those there and save Jack for a different event. He's stuck with Jack. And in the end, he's just like, crap and i'm like hey don't worry about it there's always next year he's like dang it i gotta wait a whole year to play again so interestingly i run a a survival league with my buddies not for surfing but for the nfl for football and as the commissioner i allow buybacks because it makes the pool get much larger yeah and so it's like look twenty dollars you can be back in you know up to a certain point like after a quarter of the season is over there's no more buybacks and you've got a much frothier pool, you know? Yeah. Um, we got to talk about Kelly Slater. We have not touched on that yet. Tell oh me what you witnessed yesterday. It was just like, if you're a Kelly Slater fan, it was everything you wanted. I, I mean, everybody was, I think the, the commentator said it best. Like if you're not standing up and screaming right now, you're not a fan of surfing. I mean, that was just mind blowing. We've got the older guy, um five seconds left can he do it again how many times has he done this he wills a wave to him and just takes off underneath the hook i mean came out with his hands in the air like almost in a messiah-like stance it was just absolute kelly slater at its finest and i mean we've seen him do it he's done this before he did it i mean the classic case is that letting go moment. I think it was 05 or 06 or whatever year it was. Maybe it was 03 uh, at Chopu against Bruce Irons where he needed back-to-back 10s. And I think he got it. He did get it. I think he needed back-to-back 10s. Needed a perfect score and he got it. And he did that again. You mentioned another time he did that at Chopu against um, John, John. John Florence. So anyway, <clears throat> I mean, you know, there's no amount of, uh, of, uh, my commentary that can do it justice. I mean, if you just watched it, you were just like, wow, it was just incredible. And there's really no amount of going back and watching the replay that does it justice either. You had to be there in the moment. And I'm sure hitting the beach would have been even more impressive oh than watching God. online. But what it was for me was you had this swell building throughout the day. And Kelly, when he won his first heat, I think against Jake Marshall, maybe was that yesterday? Yeah. Um, he was on the beach in the morning and he's like, Rosie's interviewing him post heat interview. He's like, yeah, you know, I didn't think we we're going to run today. Like the swells supposed to peak a little bit later. I think he thought it was going to be 10 30 or something. He's like, I didn't know we were going to run this morning. Um, 
but whatever, I guess we'll just kind of watch the swell pick up throughout the day. So throughout the day, people are commenting, oh, it hit the buoys eight hours ago and those buoys are nine hours out. So the swell should be coming in an hour. Well, it ended up landing, I'd say an hour or two after everybody was expecting it. But when it hit, it hit. And it was like third reef capping out the back. And then you got to wait a minute to watch those lines roll in to hit the, the inner reef. And you have Baron Mamiya doing his thing throughout the other, the heats leading into this. And he is on fire. And like you're saying, it's the young guy, it's the local guy. It's what everybody's talking about. And so you have this match with the swell coming to greet them. Baron Mamiya, the young guy posting eights, Kelly Slater doing what we know Kelly Slater can do, but he hasn't really quite done it yet in this event. And then they, they surf together. The waves are pumping and Baron Mamiya has got Kelly on the ropes. Baron Mamiya, Kelly opens with a five, one, seven Baron Mamiya back, uh, comes back at that with a 6.5. Kelly gets an eight. Now Baron Mamiya is on the ropes. Baron gets an 8.67. Now Kelly's back on the ropes. Kelly has priority. There's literally five seconds left when Kelly takes off on this wave and he needs a big score. He gets a 9.23. It's a perfect, it's actually, it is a perfect pipe wave, but it wasn't that easy to surf. And Kelly took off deep foam, foam ball wrangled, came out kind of after the spit, like you said, with a little display of panache that Kelly does. It was, it was the pinnacle of surfing. It's at pipeline. It's the goat. It's the difference. Like I said, where John, um, Jack Robinson's out of the event. Jordy's out of the event. Uh, Felipe's out of the event. These other top contenders who find moments like this and don't necessarily find a way to get through the event. Kelly does will these things to him. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was mind blowing. It was just everything that pro surfing supposed to be sort of bottled up. It was one of those moments. And, and then, you know, afterwards it was emotional for him and which was, which was really, really cool. You know, like he's just, uh, he's Kelly Slater. You, you just, he is the greatest competitive surfer of all time, of course. And, and when you stack him up, you know, Tom Brady retired, basically it was in the news yesterday. And, and there's people, that don't even know who Kelly Slater is that are calling Tom Brady, like the best ever at any sport, better than Michael Jordan or whatever, better than Tiger Woods. And it's always hard for me to throw Kelly into that conversation because we are, we have a subjective sport. Um, you don't score your own points, you know? Um, but when he, what he's doing at the age of 50 is absolutely crazy. And, yeah. and you got to put him in that conversation. And I think if you're a, a pundit, a sports pundit, and you're talking about Brady and Jordan and Tiger Woods, and you don't throw Kelly Slater into that equation, you're uh, ignorant. Pun- I agree. It is ignorance because those pundits don't know who Kelly is and what he's done. Yeah. And, you, and therefore, but, you're not really an expert. Well, look, the idea of... <laughs> having the, you know, the earliest, the youngest world title and the oldest world title competing at that level for 30 years is that, that alone sets him in a different category. And like, like you said, doing what he's doing now at 50, at the age of 50 or nine, seven days away from turning 50 at this point is just, 
crazy. Yeah. As far as pressure and, and you know, competitive pressure that equals, um, you know, the last drive of the Super Bowl at age 50, you know, if you're Tom Brady or whatever, Tom Brady's 42 or whatever, you know, he's not 50. He's not. And it would have to be the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. It would have to be the best team, the most competitively matched and a game that pushed him to his limits. And he yeah. performed better than he did when he was 20. That would be yeah. the equivalent. Exactly. Yeah. So um, incredible stuff. And, and you hope that as a Kelly Slater fan, a fan of pro surfing that, and you doubt, but you hope that Kelly Slater didn't peak in this event and that he has time to kind of, you know, almost feel like if they run the event today, he might have peaked too early, but if he gets a couple of days to kind of let it all settle back in and then refocus, this will be behind him and he will be able to have, you know, incredible performances moving through the next couple of heats. He has Kanoa in the quarterfinals. How do you predict that heat? That's a total toss up in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> Kanoa is not Kelly at pipe, but Kanoa, all Ke Kelly, makes a little makes more mistakes now than he ever made or it could Great be that, he, that he's just that the level of competition is up to his level now so that the mistakes are more glaring mm. you know and so um and kelly will be the first one to tell you he even made mistakes in that heat um with baron yeah with baron so i could see kanoa winning this heat with a 14.7 and kelly slater losing with a 13.6 you know like that wouldn't surprise me. can i make a prediction yes this might fly in the face of things I've said in previous shows, but this is my new prediction because I have new information. Um, what? Uh, I'm predicting if this, if Kelly was going to do the full season, you're right. He might've peaked in that heat and he's got his focus on the long game. I don't think he is focused on the long game. I think he's seizing an opportunity. This is pipe is on the swell is here and he is going to go all out, win this event, drop the mic and retire on the stage. Do you have inside info here? Or is that just a, that's pretty bold. I love no, that prediction. No inside info whatsoever. I'm just looking at his extra 15 pounds and I'm looking, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at how else would you want to end? Look, we've, we've kind of lambasted him for not retiring five years ago. Cause we're like, dude, his body's breaking down on him. He's losing to these young guys. They're running the event in a wave pool, which I know he invented it, but he can't compete there with the best guys. He can't compete in beach breaks. So he's going to go out, you know, uh, not very gracefully, essentially. This is his opportunity to re-dignify, to reclaim his dignity and just be like, everybody's going to remember this. this. This event is going to be historic. He's doing historic things. Let me just turn it up to 11 for one final day and show these kids who is the boss. And those 15 extra pounds do not matter at eight to 10 foot pipe. A couple things. First of all, if he did that, I would be, I would, I would tip of the hat to him. I think that's really cool. I think that does make sense from um, sort of a brand standpoint, you know, he would get a ton of attention, probably ESPN would cover it. It'd be a lot of, um, you know, outside, outside the, the sort of the bubble would, would be focusing on it from a media standpoint. Um, but I don't think that even if he did do that, this is not Kelly Slater's last pipe masters. He will get a mm -hmm. 
greatest of all time wild card, probably until he's either proven that he's not worthy or that he says, I'm good. No, thanks. Yeah. But I sense that he's so good out there. And it's, and as you mentioned, it's the kind of wave that as long as he's physically fit and cardio wise and, and muscular enough or whatever, as long as he can take the beatings, his technique is, is going to be there, you know, at least till he's 55 or maybe even more. I mean, as a 56 year old, who's not in good shape, who's not Kelly Slater, if it's eight, 10 foot and it's pot and it's tubes, you know, you're just kind of talking about getting to your feet and doing what you've been doing for 40 years. I'm not asking you to do a tail reverse, you know, yeah. club sandwich here. Yeah. Well, I, I think this is, he will, yeah, you're right. He will surf pipe again, but I just think this is the way to uh, go out on his own terms, you yeah. know, because we know that he's not a, a real threat at sunset. We know that he's probably not going to go to Australia because of the VAX protocols. So this is a way, if he didn't win this event, he'd probably stick around. But given the way the swell is aligning and all these other details and just something about the way that he's talking about the event and life at this point, I just feel like yeah. he's, he might not have gone into the event planning to retire, but the way that it's all shaping up, if he got yeah. a win, I could easily see him just being like, I've had enough. What about this concept though? You know, Kelly's never done real well at sunset. And so if he retires, that's basically saying I'm not doing sunset. And yeah. so does he have, do you think he has a thing in him? That's like, I also still need to kind of shore up my legacy over here at sunset. No, yeah. no. I think he just shored up his legacy. He yeah. just, he just, the, the event, the yeah. event when yeah. the waves were the best that they've ever been for the event, you know? Yeah. In and many just, ways, it's kind of like what I said earlier, like this is the first and last event of the 2022 season. Like we boom. only need one event and here's your world champion. Yeah. Kelly Slater. Boom. So <laughs> that's my prediction. Um, we need one. to talk about the women. Yes. Women's not impressed, mostly because they haven't had the surf. They need to have, and I think the women are going to surf today, quite frankly. And I think it's going to be bombing. It's going to be slightly fading away, but I think the women are going to be put to the test today. I think it's going to happen. And so my thoughts on the women is we need to just wait because what we saw on day one of the women was just not pipeline. It was, you know, just borderline four to five foot, not very good. Well, there was the couple of articles that I saw written about it on stab and beach grit were claiming essentially that the WSL, look, we talk about the WSL talks about equality, equal prize money, the men and the women are going to run parallel tours where the women surf the same waves that the men surf. And then they put them out in crappy waves at pipe essentially is what happened. And yeah. so the articles that we saw written were, this isn't equal. You can't yeah. put the guys out in perfect surf and the women out in uh, mediocre surf. I'm going to push back on those articles a little bit because yeah. the WSL has this very, very fine line that they have to walk these are waves of consequence where people will get hurt. And the athletes, regardless of gender, have to show a level of, um, you know, aptitude where they can handle themselves and actually put on a performance. And by the way, this is an inner, this whole thing is meant to be entertaining. So they have to put on a level of performance that is entertaining for the audience. And the way that you do that in surfing, as we all know, who are into surfing, you start 
at a certain level and you work your way up to the more challenging level. So I think what that was, was a day that was very contestable. You know, you said it's not proper pipe. That's true, but it was super contestable. And there was waves out there that did, if you saw, let's say John, John and Idolo out there, they would have been getting eights and nine point rides out there. They would have found those waves. They would have surfed them to their potential and they would have gotten those scores. So they gave the women, let's say, a uh, stepping stone to the more challenging day. And to be honest, the women didn't live up to it. This was their opportunity. And I expected somebody to. I mean, Malia Manuel got a good wave. That was really the only one worth talking about. Tyler Wright, Carissa Moore, these world champion surfers who I expected to rise to the standard of the day did not rise to the standard of the day. And so it left a huge question mark in my mind, which is, was it a mistake to offer a full event at Pipe for the women? Well, I think that's yet to be determined. What we do know is that they were doing turns. And if you're doing turns at Pipeline, it's not proper Pipe, as we know. And, and really, you should call the event. Like, we've got a... We've got a window that's incredible for conditions and swell. Like the next 10 days, every single day at pipe, except for Thursday, is going to be really, really good. So the fact that they chose that day, and I know they're like, oh, we just wanted to get it out of the way and blah, blah, you know. It was forecasted to be better. That day was smaller than everybody yeah, anticipated. That's true. that's true. And, 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 and to I, their credit, they pulled the plug. Yeah, but... I mean, really the conundrum is if today looks anything like yesterday afternoon and they put the women out there and the women don't go on waves, I mean, that's going to be a black eye for everybody. That's a black eye for the WSL. That's a black eye for the athletes themselves. And for you and I, it's like, you guys are wasting. We wait all year long to see this event. You're wasting. These waves are going to waste. Yeah, it's fascinating. Just the, the concept of equality uh, in society, you know, like, um, you know, there's things that you and I can't do. We can't give birth. You know, we're never going to be equal with women regarding childbirth. Oh, and, yeah. And, and I think today is going to be fascinating. Yeah. There's from a number from a, from a sort of a, a grand or 30,000 foot level, um, regarding the concept of equality and surfing, you know? Um, and it's I hope a, to God that, and I know that, I know that Carissa can do it. You know, there's women on this, in this field here that can do this. Well, Moana, Moana Wong, right. But Bethany absolutely charges. Yeah, she charges, but, and again, I don't, I'm going to take flack for it, but let's call a spade a spade. She charges, but she's not navigating the barrel. You know what I mean? She'll go on the crazy. Yeah, but waves. We're not at that level yet. I just want to get these, these, you know, what is the left 32 women? No, no. 16 women. I want these 16 women to, um, to just catch the waves, you know, like let's, let's wait five years for them to be Sean Thompson. Right. You know, well, I want to see him go essentially is what I want to do. That's all I and, want. I want him what, to go and stand up in the tube. It's not that hard. We're, you know, I mean, it's very, very it's hard. Very hard. <laughs> my point is, my point is I'm not asking them to, you know, 
you know, go reverse, reverse grab Mason Ho through the thing and with a shocker come out. I just want him to make the wave, you know? Well, and that's look. very, very difficult. And, and today is going to be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting if they call it on for the women. They that's, have to. They I have agree. To. They can't not, they can't have this opportunity sitting in front of them and not because they do need, again, I, I'm all for equal access. I'm not for equal outcomes, you know, like I think talent should dictate the outcome and proficiency or whatever, but I'm all for equal access. The problem I have and the problem I had with those articles was, yeah, the WSL deserves a certain amount of culpability for not providing equal access, but the women did not stand up, did not rise to the challenge of the day. And you're saying they did turns. Once somebody went to turns and got the score, yeah. then the person who was waiting out back for the barrel realized, oh, there's only eight minutes left. I better do a couple turns and then I'll come back and wait for the barrel. And then after two or three heats of doing that, everybody's exactly. doing turns and they're all getting three point rides and it's a battle of threes. And it's like, no, just wait for the barrel. Even if you don't win the event, get barreled. And that'll be the moment that everyone remembers. Yeah, in a weird way. And I mean, but we're recording early Wednesday morning here on February 2nd. And, you know, in two hours, we will know whether they're going to turn this thing on for the women or not. And um, so when you're listening to this, this, this might be already mute. But this might be the more a more historic day than what we saw yesterday as far as all the things we just mentioned that'd be incredible uh, i hope that it is now here's the good news i guess or i don't know if it's good or bad news the swell's not going to be like yesterday afternoon the the swell peaked last night it's going to be big it's going to be six to eight with 10 foot sets and um so it's going to be legit re- good radical scary pipeline but i don't think there's going to be third reef wash throughs um which is you know helpful yeah i think so too uh and it's going to be fading throughout the day okay and then tomorrow's kind of a no no go day for surf and then the weekend is going to be mental so you think we're going to end on the weekend i don't know they have numerous days to pick from but Saturday is going to be like 10, 15 foot, like yesterday okay. afternoon. Okay. And, and it, I'm just trying them, to plan out my week. So yeah, I, I can't speak for them, but the conditions, the winds are, it's going to be perfect winds. Like we've seen light glassy offshore, beautiful sun and tons of, it's kind of a neat complex, low system, low pressure system. So there's all these smaller little low pressures that are inside of one big low pressure. So there's like, boom, here comes a swell wait 10 hours boom here's another pulse wait 10 hours boom here's another pulse so it's just constantly six to eight feet and then when it fades another pulse kind of bumps in and so it's a really unique low pressure with a lot of small little sort of tight little low pressures within it got it um one other detail that's worth discussing or just noting stephanie gilmore had to sit out of this event because she tested positive for covid yeah, that's a bummer because <clears throat> she's one of the ones that I think would help kind of, I think what's going to happen today is you're going to see some women to just go and make it. And other women are going to go, yeah, I, I mean, this is going to be a day of, of kind of like what we've seen with Felipe throughout the years. Like, are we going to see people rise to the occasion or are we not? 
And, yeah. Uh, and I, we shall see. One other thing that I will say is uh, Moana Wong had opportunities on that day and she fell on waves. Like I kind of expected her just to be like a highlight reel. Ivan Florence, you know, Ivan Florence was a wild card. He went out there and he did what Ivan Florence does. That's what I expected from Moana Wong. And she fell on waves that I, I just thought that she would have made. And so she didn't quite live up to the potential that I had been hyping and that I think we all had been expecting, but she's still in the event. Uh, she actually draws Tatiana Weston Webb, which is funny because they're the ones who had that beef last year. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Uh, Tati burned Moana and it was caught on a multiple different angles. And then Moana took to Instagram. Actually, they had a confrontation on the beach. Moana read her the riot act and Tatiana um, seemed like kind of stepped down and took the tongue lashing. And then Moana went to Instagram and wrote this diatribe calling Tatiana out saying, it's ridiculous that these entitled pros show up on the North shore paddle out at pipeline and then burn the locals who are surfing here all the time. Like that should, it's dangerous out there. People are going to get hurt and this should not be happening. So that beef from last year kind of carries over into this heat that we're going to see hopefully today. Well, that'll be interesting to see. I, I wonder if that's been patched up. I wonder if Tatiana's kind of, something I hope tells me. My answer is no, it has not. They've only been talking crap to one another and we're going to see it all come to a head today. <laughs> Do you know this as fast? No, no. I'm just building up the building up the rivalry. That'll be good. Um, Let me ask you this: broadcast team, overall production. What kind of grade do you give the WSL after what we've seen so far? A plus, or certainly an A. I liked it. I don't see a lot of holes in it. I love the commentary team. I think Laura Enover is a fantastic addition. I know that they subbed Makua in Makua Rothman in for Barton Lynch because Makua is the local guy. So you want to add some local flair. I don't think Makua is the, I don't know, most articulate commentator. I think he adds a lot of cultural relevance. You know, he could talk about the North shore. He could talk about, you know, whatever Hawaii, whatever. And also big wave surfing. He understands that really, really well. So he can add a lot of insights there, but not the most articulate. And so I think that holds up some of the conversation, but I think Laura Enover is super articulate, bright, super credible, uh, relatable. I think she's really charismatic. And then I'll just throw out right now, my Duke of the week is actually Strider. He's on the commentary team and Strider's somebody who I've kind of talked crap about as a commentator in the past. I feel like Strider's killing it. And the reason why he's the Duke is he's sitting out at pipeline, dodging sets <laughs> and giving his real time take on a person's ride from the water is not replaceable. It's irreplaceable. He is phenomenal at that. So my grade for the broadcast is a B plus and, and it doesn't reach the A level based on commentary and on some of the stuff that you've already mentioned. Um, I think where they really have a problem or not a problem, but where they could upgrade is the setup guy. So um, Kaipo does a great job. Kaipo and Ross Williams, I could be good with them for the entire event, but of course they can't do the entire event. We need more than one team. And I love Chris Cote. He's a friend of mine. I don't, I think that they could get an upgrade there. I sense that he's a little bit too rah-rah, you know? Um, yeah. 
there's too much emotion at the wrong time. Like that, that position is not a, a position of, you shouldn't be super rah-rah and super emotional, in my opinion. Yeah. My opinion, that should be a very even keeled, which I think Kaipo does a really good job of. Um, and then there are some in the color commentary side of the equation who simply are parroting um, the situational handoff that was given to them by the lead guy, either Chris right. or Kaipo. And you get this basically saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and not, I'm not learning anything. I'm not getting any insight and it just sounds, it just doesn't sound good. It's just yep. not, there, there's gotta be better. And, and some guys and Laura Enover, by the way, you absolutely nailed it. She's really, really, really good. Yeah. Now I think Billy Kemper could be a potential color commentary guy. Obviously Barton Lynch is extremely serviceable as a color commentary guy. And oh, by Barton, the way, Barton's phenomenal. Oh, Barton's by the way, he the lives there. Like, yeah. He lives there. Like, okay, you know, yeah, he didn't grow up there, but Barton lives there. He's been there for 40 years. Okay? He's a world champ. Um, Peter Mel, frankly, is missed. I think Peter is a great color commentary guy. Um, so Kaipo's really good. I think Chris can improve if he was just, and he's done, and there's many moments in the, in the broadcast where he does a great, um, uh, job of just being even keeled and then passing it off. He, he, you know, maybe I'm being a little too critical on Chris, but I sense a little bit too much emotion. And frankly, I think Strider, um, you know, it's weird. I'm sure that Eric Logan's going unreal Strider. You're super emotional out there. You're sharing the stoke of what it's like to be in the water. And he is. And so maybe I'm wrong in criticizing. Well, Strider that's for his role. job. Exactly. Yeah. And, he's not um, he's not on the screen full time, which would get overwhelming if he was. But his other real strength out there is uh, technical breakdown of rides. And he was talking about it was Baron Mamiya versus Jordy. No. Who is Jordy? Oh, no. Baron versus Kelly. Um, one of the commentators asked him, what was the technical difference between Kelly Slater and Baron backside in the barrel? And without even thinking about it, Strider's like, Baron grabs the rail and starts adjusting and navigating. And his hips are like a hula hoop. And he's constantly swiveling and adjusting and moving through the barrel. Kelly, on the other hand, tends to kind of get a pump off and pick a line and ride through that line. And right on cue, a set came through and they did exactly what Strider was talking about. And so that level of technical breaking down of the ride, I didn't notice on my own when he said it, I recognized what he was talking about. It's something Ross nor anybody else, uh, not Ross or anybody else offer. So I think Strider adds tremendous value in that role. Well, <clears throat> Again, um, we were almost at an A grade for the production, but I, I do think that- It's just the commentary. Some, just some of the commentary can be fine-tuned. It's so much better than it was a long time, you know, five years ago when we were like, oh my God, it's horrible. There's, you know, but um, there are those that are too emotional at the wrong time. And then there are those that are simply parroting information that they were simply just given. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear the same thing twice. Yeah. Um, well, my must see moment actually comes from the production 
And it is the Pipeline Pioneers series that they're doing during the commercial breaks. Mark Cunningham is hosting these. Yeah. And they are doing, I want to say it's about a 20 part series. They're slowly revealing each of them throughout the event. And they're telling the story of Pipeline through its pioneers. So it starts with Phil Edwards and the device that they're using is Mark Cunningham. Uh, He does this art project that he's been doing for years, which is he snorkels at Pipeline and he finds fins in the reef. And then he mounts them on driftwood that he finds. So it's all found objects, but it's always fins on usually, usually wood. And so he's basically doing an art installation and it starts off with a big D fin and he tells the story of Phil Edwards. Then eventually he's a single fin and he's telling the story of Jerry Lopez. Then eventually it's two uh, FCS K fins, Kelly fins from back in the day. And it, or not two, it's three, a thruster setup. And he's telling the story of Kelly Slater, you know, everything there's pipeline before Kelly and there's pipeline after Kelly. And they have all this archival footage and it does a phenomenal job of creating the context for what we're witnessing in the event itself. And I think it's phenomenal. It's all done by WSL. It's on their website. Yeah, it's really good. You're right. It's absolutely great. And um, I always look forward to watching those. It's cool. Yeah, I, I really do too. It's like, oh, no, I don't give a crap about the Apple commercials. I don't give a crap about the redundant ones. But as soon as that comes on, volume up, pay full attention. And I learned something too. My Duke Kahanamoku is the um, Desert Wave Ventures and Beach Street Development, which announced last week that the city of Palm Desert has approved the DSRT Surf Resort as the newest addition to the 36 holes of golf at the Desert Willow Golf Resort. The city council unanimously approved the amended specific plan and precise plan submittals. Um, And what this basically means is a new wave garden cove wave is gonna be set up out there in the city of Palm Desert and this was the final of the approval um, entitlements. And so this is great news. This is like, okay, um, all systems go on this new wave park at this golf resort in Palm Desert. Well, I'm psyched. Yep, there's multi-million dollar homes built around this wave pool, um, which is kind of an interesting element as well yeah um but what are you what are you looking for <laughs> are you looking for affordable housing near here or what, what you... no it's just an interesting concept of buying into the country club kind of thing and having access to a wave pool uh it's a little bit different model than we've seen before my duke yeah. is the aforementioned strider for doing what he's doing it could easily also be the rookie class uh jow chianka sammy pupo certainly deserve it um Mike Cook is already stated as well, which is kind of that Jack Robinson, Jordy Smith class. Uh, I thought I mean, Jordy surfed pretty good. He did. I, I really, uh, he, I shouldn't be Jordy on surfed Jordy. good. I, and he, you did, know, he has an injury on his foot, which I, I, you know. And he got that crazy on day one. He got the wave of the day and it was kind of a buzzer beater moment. So I really shouldn't be including Jordy in this conversation, but Jordy's last heat was a little bit of a letdown. He does have a foot injury. 
And it seemed like it was slowing him down a little bit based on what we'd seen the prior day. Uh, anyway, I well, thought look, Jordy we surfed well. I'm disappointed he didn't move on. I, I, I don't think let, Jordy. Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this. Yeah. You proposed the idea to me two or three weeks ago about that article that was written and Jordy, this being Jordy's year that he finally wins a world title. And I was like, look, Scott, we had this conversation nine years in a row. Yeah. Like, I'm not, this is the last year I'll let you bait me into this conversation, even though sure. I want Jordy to win more than anybody. I love Jordy's surfing. I love his style, all that sort of stuff. I just been fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me nine times. Shame on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so um, let's go for 10. But here's the crazy conundrum. Yeah. I'm going to pick him as my survival pick going into sunset. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, potentially, you know what I mean? Like you look at sunset, he's done well out there. It needs a big, strong bloke. So your picks based on competitive results, you would pick either John, John or Jack Robinson or Zeke Lau. Zeke. So Lee, Zeke would be an interesting pick. Cause you're probably not going to want him through the rest of the year, but Jordy would be a pick too. Cause I'm not going to use him for the rest of the year. Maybe Jay Bay. Actually I would use Jordy. So uh, the, the thing is, despite me kind of talking crap on Jordy, I find myself still wanting to pick him for sunset. Yeah. Jordy's Jordy's looking solid. I hope but, his foot gets better. Well, based on what you said is a round of 16 finish good enough for Jordy in this event as a world title contender. Um, I mean, with a foot injury, I think it is, Okay. you know, I, you know, it's, it's serviceable. It's not what he wanted, but it's not horrible. Okay. Keeps him in the running. It does. And, um, if he finished in the round of 32, I'd write him off completely, but yeah, this gives him just enough kind of a window of glimmer of hope, I suppose, for me to where I'm keeping him on, keeping him in the conversation. What? You know who we haven't spoken about that needs to be discussed is Kyo Abelli. Oh my God. That one free fall drop and then yesterday was so insane. Regardless of how he got here, he's here. He's a, a wild card. He's, you know, just well, got into the event. And it's not regardless of how he's here. It's actually interesting how he's here because he and Gabe have kind of gone head to head year after year. And he, uh, he got, there was an incident in Portugal two or three years ago where he pulled rank on Gabe, used priority to block Gabe or something like that, which sent the title to pipeline because Gabe would have won if he made it through that heat. So Gabe had it against Kaya. Then they found themselves at pipeline and Gabe pulled that priority little sneaky move on Kaya to, you know, and so yeah. there's been this yeah. back and forth. And so now Gabe withdrew from the event, which gave Kyle access to the event. Kyle was out and he got yes. in because of Gabe. Great story. That's a great, that's a great insight right there. And um, I just find it fascinating, you know. Um, and he's living up. How weird would it be if Kyle Abelli won the Pipe Masters as a wild card? Insane. After, that's after getting bumped possible. off. He's, he's like the classic guy that you just, like we haven't even spoke about him. We haven't discussed him and he could win the event. Io's got a lot of holes in his game still. And so you expect somebody to capitalize on those, but he has a lot of talent and he has potential for huge scores. He's the perennial underdog. Like he really is. You never expect him to win the heat that he goes out into. 
and he's against Sammy Pupo, who's coming off of a huge high, so he could have kind of a, you know, a letdown. Yeah. Uh, uh, he would then come against the winner between John John Florence and Seth Moniz, which is going to be a tough draw no matter what. Yeah. Um, it's exciting. That wave that I was referring to yesterday, do you remember that one? Um, Kyle's free fall drop on this crazy, like double or triple overhead pulls up into the barrel and it kind of, it yeah. was just a top barrel and yeah. then, and then it clamped and he came out of the clamp and then fell yes. on the shoulder. Yes. That thing was nuts. Amazing. It was, it was such a bummer. I know. Uh, okay, beautifully well. ridden wave though. Hey, I've got one final warm note to go out on. Yes. This was a listener email and he said, Hey, I heard you guys on the podcast mentioning that nice messages are what keep the motivation going. So here is one. I've been listening since maybe 2014, maybe even earlier to the down the line podcast, which is Scott's uh, podcast that you started in 2005. I think Um, I lived in Germany about three hours from the sea surfed last about four years ago. I skate regularly and still listen to all the episodes, every single episode of spit. I still care for surfing and I'm interested in all the competitive stuff, but I've got to say the interesting thing about the podcast is the stuff that you guys talk about between the lines about life in general, COVID situation in the U S voting, having kids. I've got a three-year-old and a three-month-old as well, uh, as well as all the stuff, which is occurring in the current times, great shows to relax and listen to while I drive to work, go grocery shopping or work alone in the rainy, dark German evenings through the forest or neighborhood just to get outside during the weekdays. Also, I guess that you guys said that the talk about mental health is also important because it can to some degree, it can and does to some degree affect everyone. Anyways, I wanted to send my appreciation for all the hours of podcast I get to listen to through the years and wish you and of course, Scott and your families all the best. Stay safe and healthy. I don't know how it is where you live, but Corona is going through the roof here in Germany. Ooh. Gnarly. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, thanks for the great email. That was, that was, um, that motivated us for sure. And we're stoked you're listening and we appreciate your loyalty and, and good, good on you, man. And yeah. hopefully you'll get in the surf again soon. Let's get you out in the water. Interesting that it, people who don't even, I mean, he hasn't surfed in four years. Uh, so it's interesting to hear. I've gotten that email from a few people who don't surf. And they listen. And I don't know how they would have found the podcast if they don't surf. Maybe somebody in their life surfs. I don't know. But it's interesting. You know what? The um, boardroom podcast is going to start back up. So I'm, I'm going to be interviewing Sean Dugan, who's the filmmaker for this uh, documentary about surfing in Ireland, uh, how it started. And um, that film's called Keep It a Secret. And so I'll be interviewing Sean tomorrow. And Hopefully awesome. we'll, we'll get that up next week sometime. Sweet. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, David, have you been watching Ozarks? Yes, I have. We have oh. one episode left. Oh, my God. So gnarly. And then, you know, there's seven other episodes that they're going to drop. And that's the final. It's the series yeah. finale. Yeah. And it's, it's as good as any of the other seasons. That's one show that um, season after season maintains the same level of quality. Yeah. That's a good show. So really well done. We'll leave with that, David. Until next time, adios and aloha. Come on up the country, baby, don't you
truck, you know we've got to leave. 